episode 287 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is your first off-season edition of the year. I am Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, we're coming to him on a Tuesday. The season's over. Officially have no more baseball. Royals wrapped up their parade in epic style thanks to Johnny Gomes today. The 2015 season is done. How do you yeah, feel? This is that sound. That there, right there. That's me opening the celebratory um, Arnold Palmer half and half iced tea lemonade. Uh, <laughs> pardon me. That tells you how I feel. Jason, folks. a bit uh, under the weather at the worst possible time. We are both yeah. preparing to get ready uh, for Arizona. That dry air in Arizona to do me wonders because oh. I am not in good shape. Um, last week and a half to two weeks. Uh, but that's what happens when you travel a lot and spend a lot of time on airplanes. So, uh, but I, you know, I was hoping that, uh, you know, selfishly, I wanted as much baseball as possible. And this was me saying I wanted a game seven, even though I have a 5.35 a.m. flight out of Charlotte on Thursday morning uh, as I connect to Atlanta to get out to uh, Phoenix to meet up with you. So, yeah, I am uh, I, selfishly, I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad I don't have to stay up and watch the game because I'm going to be honest. I did not watch every minute of every game. I've been sick. I could not stay awake for some of these. I fell asleep in the top of the 14th in game one. It kind of set the pace. Uh, for me, and I missed oh. the uh, the five the five run uh, comeback in the other game, and it's just one of these one thing after another. I only watched one complete game. Oh wow! It just not it, you just that's what happens when you're sick though. Takes you right out of it. Can't even force yourself to try to stay up and enjoy things. I think you make a great point about you know I wanted as much baseball as possible too. Also flying out super early Thursday, though, so didn't need a potential 14-inning game on, on Wednesday because I, I wouldn't go to bed. I, I watched uh, just about every pitch of the World Series. I missed a lot of playoffs doing things, you know, going to ACL, stuff like that. But the World Series, I was like, I got to. I got to watch it. So I enjoyed it. It was nice, but it's time to flip the page. We are going to talk about one World Series participant, but everything else that we're going to talk about today is looking toward 2016. We're talking about a couple new managerial hires, talking about some of the intriguing options that have been picked up. Not your obvious ones. Edwin Encarnacion and uh, Jose Bautista probably could have had their uh, you know, options 1.5 times what they got, and they still would have been picked up. So they were no-brainers at the cost that they were. And then we're going to start you know, kind of a free agent preview. We're just going to go around talk about three different guys today, where we think they might go, what their outlook is like, and, and maybe try to guess. I might make you try to guess the teams that they'll go to because you're really good at it. I'm terrible at it, but you, on the spot, I can say, oh, where do you think this guy's going to go? You'll come up with a great number one answer, and then you're like, oh, well, here's two more just in case. So uh, we'll, I've, already put Zobrist, I've already put Zobrist in pinstripes or L.A. Blue. And again, what I say, folks, he's great at it. It's perfect. It's, already it's have him there. It's too perfect. So uh, Zobris is not on this episode, but I will save him for an episode that I do with you so that we can get more insight into why you think he might become a Yankee or a Dodger. But let's start with the managerial moves that I talked about out front. Let's start first with the one that, that kind of happened today, uh, finalized, and it was a really crazy one in Washington because Dusty Baker is named the manager after it looked like Bud Black had the gig. And uh, it turns out he accepted the job. They were saying yes. Then you get into the kind of contract negotiation, and that's where it fell apart. So something something broke one apart. One year deal. They offered him a one year deal. LOL at that. See, I didn't know what it was. That's that's absolutely absurd and insulting, frankly. Yeah. So I yes, don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Is Baker yeah, taking one year? We have four years guaranteed from that crack job down in Miami. And that's Black the other one. <laughs> Black deserves at least three. Yeah, so we got both of them in the NL East. Don Mattingly, this one was out pretty quickly uh, that he was going to go to Miami, and he's there now. So we got both of these moves in the NL East. Let's start with Baker because that's obviously a bigger one. The Nats are much closer to contending. Now, of course, the first thing that, that comes out, uh, you know, when, when it's announced that he's going is, oh, you know, wrap up, shrink, put shrink wrap on Scherzer and, and Strasburg, et cetera, et cetera. And Giolito. And, and here's the thing. That's that's kind of a myth at this point now. It, it, a myth in terms of it being a long-term chronic issue for him. Wood and Pryor, yes. But in Cincinnati, Baker had a pretty good track record. In fact, they had a year where all five starters made every start. So I think when you look back on his on his record there, there isn't as much uh, arm abuse that, for Dusty Baker as many believe. So I'm not necessarily worried about those guys uh, getting destroyed. 
How do you, how does this move strike you when you first heard it? Uh, and, and add in your thoughts on what you might have thought Bud Black would have been able to do. Did, do you think this is a better move or a worse move? I thought Bud Black would have been a better fit for the pitchers because that pitching staff underperformed this year. It should have been much better than it was. Mm, I, and I thought that would have been a nice fit. The concern with Baker, I'm, I'm beyond the, the pitching thing. It's the all the freaking bunts yeah. that he does. That's to me, it's like he is not a good baseball strategist. He holds, he keeps the starters in too long. He bunts too much. Not a good user. He's very traditional with the bullpen. He's too old school. Uh, and, and I don't like this. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. A, I, Bud Black would have been better again because they did not get out of that pitching staff what they should have. Gio Gonzalez, I'm staring right at you. Um, <laughs> Strasburg, you're right. By, you're in right in line behind him. Scherzer in the first half. You know that that was, staff should have been much better than it was. Even Zimmerman. Absolutely. Zimmerman, I mean, Zimmerman kind of got it going and, and finished, you know, within a reasonable range of, of his expectation, but he wasn't exemplary by any any stretch of the definition there. Um, and I think the biggest thing, because I agree with everything that you're saying, I do think uh, Bud Black would have been a better fit. I don't completely hate this. Like, I don't think Dusty Baker is the worst, but, uh, and, and he can maybe do some things to kind of bring maybe the locker room together a little bit. That's where he could probably leverage uh, himself the most is to kind of get that to be a more cohesive group. And, and maybe that's where, you know, his, his strength is. But what I worry about is in, in the 2015 game, now 2016 next year, of course, the, the youth movement of baseball is catching on everywhere. And that's another thing that's been a concern about Dusty Baker when you talk about the old school piece is that he kind of favors veterans or he'll make, you know, rookies, you know, you got to prove yourselves a little bit more, except you can't prove yourself when you're not getting any playing time, things like that. So I worry about something like that. Are they going to sign some utility guy who's supposed to be Trey Turner's backup and he's going to play him over Trey Turner once Turner has a struggle? Oh, or, God. Is he going to let Trey Turner just play and maybe go through some hiccups and hope, you know, and, and not hope, but just let the rest of the lineup kind of pick him up. Don't put him in a spot to fail and, and let it play out because that guy can be special and he could be, you know, high impact right off uh, right away. You know, he didn't do too much this year in 44 plate appearances, but, you know, we're not doing anything with that. Nobody's concerned about 44 plate appearances. But Trey Turner already has, I believe, the defense and speed to kind of be a major leaguer. If he can, you know, keep the contact up, I think he could be good right away. But rookies struggle sometimes. So that's my biggest concern with Baker going over there, and particularly with Turner as somebody that I'm kind of eyeballing for next year, is that maybe he gets a little impatient um, or doesn't even give him a much of a chance to start with. Well, I mean, when you look at the free agent class uh, up the middle, Jimmy Rollins is not going to sign there. Ian Desmond's not going back. As Drupal Cabrera is not going to do another one-year deal. He's going to require multiple years. Mm -hmm. Willie Bloomquist is retired for all intents, of, intents and purposes. Um, Joaquin Arias, you know, that's that's a guy that's a free that could fit there that you could see stealing some time. Cliff Pennington's another guy possibly uh, that could things. go there, but I want him to go to Tampa Bay because I'm selfish. That's it. I mean, you, you kind of look and see what else Stephen Drew, if you want to go down that route, Mike Davilas. That's the thing. It works perfectly to just pass the baton right to Turner. Yes. And as long as the defense doesn't crater, because first of all, well, you know, they stuck with Desmond even when the defense and offense weren't there. So that, and I know that's a different regime, so you can't hold Baker to that standard necessarily. But as long as the defense is in place, because you really want him turning the plays with Rendon up the middle for the pitching. Let him kind of figure it out. And again, let's not get angry at uh, at Baker for something he hasn't done yet. But that is the the biggest concern that I have in terms of him uh, being a part of this club now. Let's jump over to Miami and Mattingly. I mean, I I don't think Mattingly's a great manager. Uh, that's probably stating the obvious. What what do you see from him in Miami? He got four guaranteed years. But Lucky are you are you going to tell me are you telling me that Jose Fernandez and Mike Stanton or Giancarlo Stanton sorry are are going to be there for all four years with them? That's tough because tied on to that news and I didn't put it in the rundown but I think you're aware of it. Um, Jose Fernandez declined a long term deal. There you go. I'm not I was not aware of that but I just assumed why why would he take a long. I, I, he's already got the injury behind him, but it, you got to test the open market if you're him. You really have to, especially especially in that volatile situation. You that's cannot trust anything ownership tells you. That's the, that's the thing. That place, you know, even when um, they get hyped, 
and, and it doesn't work. You know, they've had a couple preseasons lately where they've got the buzz and they're going to be the team, and, it, and, they, and they've kind of watched it not work. So even uh, Stanton is probably like, oh, God, what have I done? Because, you know, th they went out and tried this year, and that's what it got them, 71 Ws, and they were trading off some of the pieces that they brought in to be impact. You know, Latos, Mike Morse, those were supposed to be impact guys. Yep. They were chipping piles of garbage to trades by the end of the year, and uh, at least one of them, I know Latos for sure, was cut from his club. I don't know if Morse still hung on with – I believe he ended up in Pittsburgh when it was all said and done. He was still there by the end of the season. So, but yeah. you, stare at that you look at that roster, and you're like, honestly, what appeals to you? You know, it, you know baseball and fantasy. The outfield Gordon, and yes. Fernandez. Yeah, Gordon, Gordon, yes. Justin Bohr in some formats. Yes. That's, that's it for the infield. And Real then, Muto. Real Muto. Yeah. Well, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm thinking uh, the traditional infield, not catching. And then, you know, the outfield speculation, but then pitching Fernandez and then what? Yeah. I mean, Tom Kohler led this team in strikeouts. Tom Kohler, 137 strikeouts, led this team he led him in, in strikeouts. By, by like 60. I'm sorry? He led, the, he led the team in, Kohler led the team in innings by 60. Yeah. I, by, I will by, say. By uh, here's a couple, I've been, you know, we're obviously, if you're already at this part when you're trying to sell a team, because we've always said a couple things and we're already to the, and then there's these parts here. Adam Conley looked pretty good at the end of the year and sure. uh, AJ Ramos AJ is Ramos. great and Carter Caps if he's healthy, but he went out with an elbow at the end of the year. So that's scary. But, uh, you know, so they could have kind of their eighth, ninth sealed. And then maybe Connolly looks like a little something. He was a, I think it was a prospect of, of some note. He's 25 years old. What do you think of like Justin Nicolino? Surface numbers were okay, 401 ERA, 124 whip. The the stats though, the skills, excuse me, were so bad. Remember when Jared Kozar for his first couple of years was putting up those great ERAs with those hilarious yep. strikeout to walk rates? Same kind of deal here. Justin Nicolino had a 1.2 strikeout to walk rate. And it was built on not walking guys because he had a 2.4 walk rate and a 2.8 strikeouts per nine unrosterable and the thing is if you looked if you look at him in the minor leagues it's the same thing he stopped missing bats well stuff just isn't good enough then. once he got to miami he stopped missing bats it'd be his strikeout rates at the levels oh, six God. six two four three four nine and two eight the major league level that's so bad something i mean i would say something's wrong but they he keeps pitching that's that's impossible. I, I, I didn't know that about the minor league numbers were bad, too. I thought maybe just 74 inning sample. So, yeah, I guess there's nothing to really be too psyched about with him. Nope. I think I think what psyched uh, Mattingly was a four year guarantee, like you said. And, and Miami, Miami. Exactly. Exactly. Honestly, I don't see what the appeal. Is. I honestly don't see what the appeal is in this job and why he was in such a rush to go there. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Maybe you let it play out. See if you could get some other offers that you might be more. Inter interested in I again I know he wasn't going to be the hottest commodity out there but I can think of a lot of jobs that I would prefer to this one so good good luck there uh, this will not be an all NL East episode but the first three topics happen to be sorry about that because you wanted to talk about somebody from the World Series that we just saw finish up and he finished on a pretty high note great postseason but he piled up a lot of innings I could be talking about literally any Mets pitcher I'm sure but I want to hone in on Syndergaard uh, Noah Syndergaard threw 150 innings in, in the regular season 19 more in the playoffs and um, I'm getting it 30 in the minors so you do the math on that folks because I don't do math very well how many do you have in the playoffs 20 19 19, so he had 179, so it puts him at 198 and two-thirds innings. Okay, so by, by almost 200 innings after 133 last year. So it's about 33% jump. He just just turned 23 uh, back in late August, so this is pretty much his age 22 season with a 33% workload jump. I mean, it, when, you, when you're talking about the Mets, you can't help but think back to Generation K Day when they had – Jason Isringhausen, who Don't had a similar job, like that. Bill Pulsifer, Paul Wilson. I mean, this was a. And what concerns me here is that not only was this a high innings jump, but look at the look at the final, you know, the high stress innings of pitching in a pennant race and then pitching through a postseason. And you know, he had the the one World Series start, but this was you know high stress innings. So these weren't your like whatever. I'm going to go out and pitch. You would say you would probably figure his final 60 innings were you know were a little higher stress than his first 130. Certainly, no. He was he was pitching his balls off in the postseason too. I mean, Syndergaard blowing it out there, at well over 
95 up up around 100. I mean, he looked great still though. We learned yeah, last the stuff year. Stuff looked fantastic, but I mean, the thing is, a lot of teams will go, you know, they'll do a 20% year to year uh, increase. Yeah. yeah, the Rays are really big about that. 20% year to year, 33% jump uh, for him, and that, and you look if you look at him, and you know, in 2011 he worked about a total of 60 innings. In 2012, 103. 2013, 117. 2014, 133. So they had him on this nice path. And then all of a sudden they're like, shit, we're Jumped contending, it. boom, and 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 jacked him up at one ninety eight. I, I get it. You can't. I mean, everybody was making all the big deal about Matt Harvey and is he going to pitch? Is he not going to pitch? And this kind of flew under the radar for a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. it was more of a deal locally, but I was, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm like, dude, his innings pitched. If he makes one, if they do another, uh, if they, if there was a game seven, he would have pitched it, and that would have put him over the 200 inning. Uh, plateau at this young age and I was having a conversation with a, a common friend of ours as a Mets fan and I was like you know what honestly from a fantasy perspective he's the last guy on that staff that I want to draft because of this it'd be I have you know Harvey I'm cool with I want Wheeler back you know Matt's everything but when so, I look at when I look at Syndergaard I'm just like it's not going to surprise me if he comes up with problems next year the 66 innings extra is just too much for you it really is. I mean, if if it would have been, you know, 170, but because of the innings jump and the type of innings they were. And how hard he throws already. Yes, which, all, which had, we know is a precursor. And he's had some scares in the past. Just scares, though, not not actual full-blown, right? Because uh, Harvey's had it, DeGrom's had it, obviously Wheeler, Mats, but not Syndergaard. So uh, I'm talking about Tommy John, of course. So yeah. um, I'm looking up his – breaking ball usage okay it wasn't obscene in, in season it was 22 percent for for that curveball he really leaned on the fastball so that's good too at least he didn't also add like a 30 percent curve usage or something crazy like that so well dang you know I, I i respect what you say too much to uh just blindly go against it and keep him super elevated but i'm pretty psyched about Syndergaard. Uh, I I can't ignore that. You know, I, I can't ignore that jump. We did learn last year, though. Je- Jeff Zimmerman did a great piece on the innings jumps yep. and how important they are. And he was relating it specifically to Bumgarner, of course, because that's who everyone was worried about last year. I don't think this is a one-to-one case, uh, and I, I'm sure you're going to say that because obviously Bumgarner had been through the wars t- t- tons in the majors. It, it, it's way different. So I'm not going to say that they're one-to-one. What we, what Jeff discovered though is that there's no magic number or one certain thing that it's just going to be guy to guy. And sure. so I mean, there are the elements. Alex Cobwell and he fly, you know, he burnt out. Yeah. But if you recall, I had this, I had the same kind of concerns about Bumgarner last year and mm-hmm. you know, he ended up going we out and doing did. better. No, we, but, we, you know, we, we, we mentioned did. it. Yeah. I remember talking about in the podcast last year saying, man, heavy workload, another 200 plus ending season, carrying that all the way through the postseason. That's a lot of work. I'm worried about a slight. I wasn't worried about an injury. I was just worried about a skill degradation. Like maybe the strikeout rate drops. And of course it went up. Um, you know, his walk he's rate. Just he's, just, he's just stupid good uh, with that. So and, you know, so that's a little different. But again, with Bumgarner, we're talking about a guy, uh, you know, who was who was 20. He was 25 doing that. He's 25. Personally, he'd he's had only 26. He's only 26 years old now. That's really scary. He'd had five – again, I wasn't even – just so anyone, if they're yelling at your your listening device right now, I was never going to suggest that they're anywhere remotely close. And in fact, if you wanted to suggest that, I would definitely push against that because Bumgarner not only uh, had, was a major league vet of four full seasons and another full-ish one, that 18-start rookie season at age 20, but he had four 200-inning seasons already. I mean, this it's just way different to go from 133 to essentially your first 200 inning, as opposed to in your fifth 200 inning season, you go 279 or whatever the final number was. I mean, he ended up throwing in 2012. That would have put him about the same age. I mean, their birthdays are almost identical. They're both, uh, you know, Bumgarner's August 1st and Sundergarner's August 29th. So I'm looking at 2011, 2012, which would have put right now he's 25 or 26. So that would have been 23. So let's go back. Um, the 2011, he was at 204 innings. So about the same. Then went 208 plus the, another 15 in the postseason. That's 223. Then went 211. And then last year, the, the ridiculous number, he ended up going 270 innings last year. Insane. 270. By the way, you know what's also funny uh, for for 
any of our listeners who are above a certain age, 270 sounds like a candy ass to to you. You know, if, you, if you're talking about like 70s, even 80s, uh, maybe some early 90s ball guys putting up 300 on the regular. It's so crazy how much it's still. I know it's you know long gone now, 300 innings, but it's still it's kind of funny to me that. We rightly kind of freak out over 270, but guys used to drop 300 easy on their arm, but then they die out in like three years, and they had like 4.6 strikeout rates and stuff like that. It was it, it was a different situation. You they were kind of sculpting their game to make sure they went seven, eight, nine innings every time out, and of course you can't strike out 10 per nine innings when you do that. Right. I mean he's. Syndergaard's still within the injury nexus, so that's why, you know, when I'm looking at it, you know, you see that you could have made the argument, and, and I would just say Bumgarner's going to be the exception to this, because we can Definitely. go find a lot of pitchers that went down this path and didn't get that second and third and fourth 200-plus inning season. No, absolutely. So this can happen. So I would, it, you can't just say because this guy did it, this guy's going to get away with it. Exactly. You can't different use... types of pitchers, different types of pitchers. And I I would argue that the increased velocity from Syndergaard makes him more of a risk. That's completely fair. Yeah. You can't use, you know, what looks like a, a, a transcendent player at this point. I'm not going to necessarily say that Bumgarner's a Hall of Famer yet, but he's on that trajectory for certain. You can't just use that as your guideline for, well, everyone else will be all right because this superstar stud is. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're preaching some caution on Thor. I still, God, I love the skills so much. I'm definitely going to get some shares. I can't go in zero, but I fully understand your concern, and I, I think it's valid, obviously. Uh, let's jump on and talk about some intriguing options that have been picked up here because we've got, let's see, five of them that I think. There's one, there's one you haven't listed I'd like oh, to bring okay. up to. Then you can't. Yeah, I was going through them. I, might, I definitely might have missed some. Like I said, we're not talking the obvious ones. Don't worry about Encarnacion and Bautista. Those were dirt cheap by comparison. Let's start with one for you. This is my gift to you. Clay Buckholtz picked up uh, one of his first team options. He has another one next year for about 500000 more than the $13 million that he was picked up for this year. He was having a good season. I was actually coming around on the Clay Buckholtz train for once, and uh, of course he got hurt. 113 innings, though, 326 ERA, 1 2 whip. Uh, the, the FIP said, you know, things were even better. And I know a lot of people don't even like that, but it gives you an idea of what the skills were doing. They were saying even better, 268 for him because he had eight and a half strikeouts in just 1.8 walks. Really cut the walks and the homers. And it was a big season for him. Ground ball rate continues to kind of go up. Uh, he's wor slowly working his way back to the 50s that he had when he first uh, became a full-time starter. But I know Cletus is your boy. Uh, for those that don't know, we, uh, we call him Cletus from the Simpsons because they look exactly the same. Uh, what do you think of Buck Holtz at 13 mil for next year? I know you, you know, love I, it. I think it's too I would have picked it up, seriously. But here's the no, thing. I would have too. My, you know, my Red Sox friends hate it. You know, my, my Red Sox buddy, Jared, who works over at Barstool Sports and does a podcast, a Section 10 podcast. I'm looking at his Facebook page right now. He put a blog post up, new blog. It's time to move on from Clay Buckholtz. The comments, the first one's for me. It says, yes, Team Cletus. It's it's so time to move on. It was time to move on in 2014. Even money says they trade him at the winter meetings because you said to dump him. Pick up the option, then trade him. I think 2013 injury never healed all the way. It's like they don't want the guy. And you know, like again, skills wise, it's not a problem with the skills. The skills no. have come back around. It's always going to be the health. That that that's the thing. That's why you you kind of have to pick it up at 13 mil because. He, that is relatively it's a two win pitcher and you can easily find somebody who will take a shot. I mean, he got, he, he was a three win guy last year, according to, to fan graphs. Um, and over at baseball reference, he was 2.7. So, you know, th those two are about a half win apart, more or less the same. He pitched really well. That's only in 113 innings. He's never had 200. That's always been my problem is that he never pitches. I mean, 189 is his high. That was four years ago now, back in, in 2012. And, you know, the, the skills have started to come around. That's what started to get me, that big drop in the walk rate while boosting the strikeout rate. That, that caught my attention. A spike to 11% swinging strike rate. Okay, now we're talking. If that stuff's real. But, again, like you said, it's not really the skills. Because even when you look at his skills profile for Buckholz uh, over the years, his strikeouts, his walks, a lot of it could be injury influenced like we don't necessarily know and uh, how much of it was the time that he's pitching hurt 
But at age 31, is he going to get healthier? No, not really. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Pick it up, flip it for something because you know it's still an intriguing option for teams that would take a chance uh, at 13 mil. And they'd have another chance at the Apple next year, 13.5 mil, if he happened to pan out uh, as well. So I think that that's a very tradable piece. I mean, if you, yeah, if you go to his value, if you go to his value area, um, on Fangraphs, twenty-one million dollar pitcher, two thousand thirteen. Twenty-five million dollar. That's the production. You know, you know the the uh, wins above replacement times. What uh, each win's worth. Eleven, uh, even in fourteen, when he was when he was uh, bad for one hundred and seventy innings, he had a five thirty four ERA. That's still worth eleven mil, which again is less than the thirteen. But you're not freaking out over that. And again, if a team did that, uh, did trade for him and kind of got that year this year, at eleven mil. Uh, of quote unquote value, I'd still take a chance next year if he was healthy uh, at 13.5 and hope to land one of those 20 million seasons because he you know, has I, two of them. At that price, you know, I think that would because Oakland would be a logical fit for him, but not at that price. You know, I think your Detroit Tigers would be a nice landing spot for him. Uh, the Could Chicago you imagine Cubs that, that's what's going to happen? No, that, that, that you're, you just nailed it. That's what's going to happen because um, I can't stand him. That's definitely. Yeah, and I would happen. love it. I would yeah. love it. I would just call and like leave messages laughing. No, I, I like literally every day or every fifth day. I think you would you would call, and then because I deserve some good luck, he would throw his first 200 innings season, and we'd be taking home the crown because the Tigers are also going to get Johnny Gomes, and that's the key to winning the World Series. Clay Buckholz, Johnny Gomes, 2016. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I gave you enough time on Buckholz. I'm still not drafting him, no matter where he goes. But I gave him some respect this year. That's that's the best I can. He's still Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel, though. Uh, around this time last year, we were in Arizona. In fact, um, this trade that happened went down, and we were like, oh, wow, what's this here? Okay, we like this guy on this side, but oh, my God, this pitcher going back to this team, LOL, that's going to be a disaster. And it turned out to be one of the best win-win deals possible. Do you know what deal I'm talking about? Of course you do. You can see the rundown. But I'll give the folks a second to guess. It was a one-for-one one deal, ALNL. It went down right around this time last year. It was Adam Lind for Marco Estrada. And Adam I love the win-win. I love the win-win out of it too, because when it happened, it was like, what in the hell are you thinking, Toronto? Exactly. What do you get? Because he's a home run prone guy already, and, and we know what he did in a homer prone park. Now he's coming to the AL, the AL East. He had his worst year last year. What the freak are y'all doing? And what are they doing? They're getting 181 innings of a 313 ERA. Thank you very much. Now he's a free agent. I mean, the funny thing is, you look at his, you look at his, um, his dashboard, and you see, uh, you see a batting average on balls in play that is is improved for him each of the past four seasons, you see a left on base rate that has gotten better each of the past four seasons. The problem is it was nearly 80% this year. You can only go, you can only go backwards. Yeah. That's, I'm that's Mariano Rivera. The that's Mariano Rivera-ish. But even same thing with his batting average and balls in play, 216. you know, 216 super low, but he was 262 and 257 over the seasons before we've talked about the, you know, the effect of velocity and how he changes eye levels of pitching up and down. You know, you're, you have to expect the home run, the fly ball ratio to get back over 10% because it was at uh, 8.7 this year, where it's historically been historical rate before this year was probably closer to 12%. It brought it down to 11.1 this year. So it's a free agent curious to see where he lands, but if he can pitch in Rogers center, and keep the ball in the park, he can pitch other places. So, you know, if you look at him, if you're looking at him for next year, the strikeout rate, because he also gave he gave away, uh, gave back uh, the strikeouts, because he used to go get the strikeouts, and that rate's on decline as By well. By the way, yeah, strikeouts. you mentioned the BABIP and left on base rates, all, both improving the last four years going down. The, the strikeout and walk rates are both going the opposite way. Strikeout rates going down each of those four years, walk rates going up incrementally. So that's the weirdest part, too, is skills are worsening, but kind of the out of his control things. And and he has a control to them to some degree. His BABIP's going to be on the lower end for Estrada because he's a high fly ball guy. So you're going to get lazy outs. But he's also a home run problem too. So obviously the best would be if he went somewhere that suppresses home runs in the NL. You know, Mike Leake becomes too expensive, so the Giants get Marco Estrada. I'd be on board for that. I'd be, I'd be. That would be nice. I mean, here's the thing: that. is, I thought in the past he threw too many strikes, so I'm not concerned about him walking because I know in watching some of his games That's this year, there were times where he's like, "Shoot, I'm just gonna go ahead. If I'm down 2-0 to this guy, screw it. I'm just gonna walk him." Yeah. You know why? Why pitched in the strike zone? Because he, you know, again, he tops out 89-90. 
you know, he can't challenge guys. He's got to get ahead to, to get ahead to, uh, to finish the, the bat off. And I w- remember watching games where sometimes you could see, he's like, I'm just going to flat pitch around this guy. I'll take the walk. And he didn't like, didn't like giving away free passes in the past, but now he's like, sure, I'll give away a free pass. Cause I'll go after this guy. That's a who I know point. is a better matchup uh, for me. So I think San Francisco, I'm, I'm curious to see where he lands um, because as good as he pitched this year, we're not seeing that baseball again. We, we can't, it's just, no. it, it would be impossible for him to do this again. If you draft him as another guy who's going to his ERA is going to be in the mid to upper threes and yes. he's going to strike out six, per, you know, six and a half per nine. You're hoping for the great whip. The National league. Yeah. Yeah. Whip. Cause that's what he's always done. That's, that's always thing. been something he can do and hope for double digit wins. But you know, he's, I think he's going to be a guy that people are going to look at and say, Oh wow. Yeah. This can happen because he did this. And he, I mean, he did it for a good chunk of this season. Oh no no! But, he, you know, he but gets, that said, Estrada I'm not drafting. Credit. I'm not drafting him on how he pitched this year. Exactly, Estrada gets credit for what he did. You just can't expect it. I think you make an excellent point on the walk rate that I didn't think about. It's really because even at seven point six percent, that's still not bad. So it's not like it's gone from excellent to uh, still better than average. You know, uh, above average, if you will, which is a weird thing to say when you're talking about walk rate. But um, you you get what I'm saying. I love the point that you're making. He can't challenge anybody. So when he's getting into bad counts, he's throwing that 89-mile-per-hour lollipop, and that's why the home run rate is so high. So I think the walk and home run rate interplay with each other based on what you're saying. I think that's a tremendous point. So I'll keep that in mind. Like I said, it's going to be a landing spot situation. Funny thing is we are supposed to talk about Lind because his option was the one that's picked up. So let's jump over to Lind. Uh, he was picked up for eight mil. He played very well with uh, Milwaukee. Are you going back to the well for him again? And I, the only reason I ask is because right now we're, we, injuries have always been an issue and we're looking at his last four years and I, I hate to do it because I know it's not a real thing, but he's got the Saber Hagen metrics with his games played. 93, 143, yeah. 96, 149. Are we getting a crap year this year on the health at age 32? I mean, his his past is just littered with injury history, and we're coming off his third highest games played season for Lynn. So what do you, what do you expect next year? I mean, to me, this feels like a, a sign and trade situation, like they pick up the option because they know it was cheap. Oh yeah, because for eight mil again, this again would be a this was this was kind of a no brainer, but I just wanted to get your thoughts in terms of what you thought of him next year. Not so much the money, eight mil right. that was easy. He can do that in half a season. Uh, I just don't see. I don't see you know if they were to deal him what they what they would do there because I don't. There's not enough on this Milwaukee team because that NL Central is so stupid deep. You know, exactly. It's is scary. there enough on this roster right now to make them supplant the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Cardinals? Hell no. Not they have chance. to make a trade. And this was this is one of the chance where you look at, you know, let's go back and look at the first baseman free a free agent market. It's Chris Davis and it's a lot of crap. Well, it's Jeff Baker. It's Corey Hart who's talking about retiring. It's Garrett Jones who's in DFA, Travis, I mean, uh, Justin Morneau, Mike Napoli, Steve Pierce, Mark Reynolds. That is your free agent first baseman class. You know, that's it. If you want to try to DH, you know, find an outfielder, but Lynn should have trade value. And for me, I pick up this option and then I immediately put them on the market because a lot of teams uh, could could go ahead and trade for eight million dollars. That's nothing. Of course. Of course, they could get they could get a solid piece for that. Not some prime prospect necessarily, but maybe somebody in their mid uh, 20s that they can plug in who's a decent player, like a role player type like Lynn, but just kind of roll the clock back and maybe fill a tougher position. Um with somebody who's a little bit more raw. Well, I mean, so. they, 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 you look at their pitching staff, uh, Youngman, Peralta, Nelson, Garza, they, they're losing Kyle Loesch as a free agent. No, uh, what are they uh, going to do? Yeah, no Loesch. Hey, uh, you know, Thornburg's there, but I'm trying to think of maybe you trade Lynn for a pitcher. There are several teams that have depth in pitching. You look at their outfield, you know, obviously they got Braun, they got Domingo Santana, they got Chris Davis, but they don't have any outfield depth. Brett, Brett, uh, the outfield free agent class is not that strong. There are several teams that need outfielders uh, that have that have outfield depth. Maybe that's a way. Maybe that's a direction they go. I, I like it. I like it. They do have Brett Phillips who will be coming up, but not yet. He's only 21. He was a big part of that Carlos Gomez deal with Houston. He's uh, 20. He spent 21 at, at Double A this year. A little bit. A little bit. Actually, it was split between High A and Double A. He crushed I mean, put him in put him in Baltimore. If Baltimore doesn't bring Brett Davis, send him to Baltimore. And get and get a little something there. Um 
Yeah, I I, th- I think that's the 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 best route there. They 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 don't need to keep him. If they do, if it's a you know a, a veteran presence kind of thing, and we don't have any other first baseman kind of thing, hey, I think you could get a copy of 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 this year's rates the 277 average 360 obp 460 slug i just don't ever feel confident saying how many games you're going to get those rates for so i'd probably lean say pay pay for 120 games and, and you know go from there if you i'd also love them in tampa that. bay if somebody would eat james loney's contract um, that's funny that you mentioned that i uh, i started a new franchise on mlb the show people are definitely going to care about this but i'm using the the rays and what i did was sim through this year to get to the offseason that we're about to do and i found somebody to take that deal i got rid of that james loney deal as as quickly as i could richie schaefer dominating i'm gonna play all 162 because that's what my life is beautiful i'm doing that uh we suck right now though i'm 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 not i'm either not as good at this game as i thought or um it's just tougher then I thought when you don't have all studs because the the diamond dynasty thing that you do it's like this little fantasy team thing. Yeah. I was I had kind of a loaded team. I mean, I, not kind of. I mean, I had Manny Machado batting eighth. So maybe I'm just learning how to play with guys who have like 50 ratings and things like that. Because Richie Schaefer, he has a crappy rating, but but I'm I'm controlling him well. Again, I know everyone cares about this, but I did find a way to get rid of the James Loney deal. So I don't want to hear it from the Tampa Bay brass. Perfect. It can be done. It can be done. Uh, we have to move on to R. A. Dickey. Again, this one probably wasn't a surprise from the cost. 12 mil for a capable pitcher who you know, takes the ball every fifth day no matter what. He just logs the innings. 214 this year was a little bit worse than the ERA and skills, but you'll, you'll take it. You'll take 214 league average innings at $12 million, and that's, that's basically what he's been for them. 214 or more, and it was 216 last year, 225 the year before, of league average innings. He was a little bit worse than that in 2013 and then a little bit better in 2014, 2015. So add it all up, and it's uh, 655 innings of average. Is that all it's going to be, or is there any chance – that there's one more burst of awesome from R.A. Dickey from that Cy Young form that we saw in 2012. No, I mean, here's the scary thing. He only won 11 games this year. He started 33. He only won 11 with the offensive support that he had behind that's him. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. recognize I – mean, I'm staring right at it. But, yeah, that that's kind of crazy to point out. Took every turn, 33 yep. freaking turns, and only got 11 Ws on – that. That just another example of how stupid the win is. We should have gotten at least some cheap wins from him. He should he should have fallen into fifteen, right? But this is you know this is what he was this is how it worked out and you know the strikeout rate has uh, eight nine seven one seven two five three, um, the walk rates you know pretty much where it is everything else is kind of stable with him so there's zero there's zero upside here. I don't even know what I don't even think there's any downside either. That no. you can just pencil in you can pencil in two hundred innings and it just wherever the winds may lie. But that's all you're that's all you're chasing because you're not. You know, his whip's not even that great anymore. No, he, oh, 119. It was, better, it was better than I thought it was. Um, so you're you're chasing wins and whip, and whatever else happens, happens. Uh, Dickey had a run this year like because it started off really bad again. Like, yeah. get him off of every roster kind of bad for the first two months when he had a 577 ERA. And then he put up a 311 for the last 150 innings. Um, but the dude doesn't get cheap wins. I'm looking at it right now. Baseball reference has a thing called cheap wins, and it's when you pitch fewer than six innings and allow more than three earned runs. And he only got two of those. Like they, they, they didn't, they couldn't give him the cheap W's. I mean, I wonder how many he lost because he stays in there so long. That's a, that's an interesting thing too. It's like when you keep him in for those extra couple of innings, you're giving those extra runs up, obviously, and making it tougher for the offense because he does have a lot of crooked numbers, Dickie does. Uh, eight games of five-plus earned runs. I mean, the offense was great, but he, he did challenge them. So interesting distribution. I think you nailed it in terms of what value you can expect. Innings and, and whip, that's really it. The innings piece makes him valuable in, in head-to-head leagues that just kind of favor the playing time. I think that's exactly the way you're going to target him again this year if you're targeting him at all. Let's jump over to Brad Ziegler for the uh, uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kind of ended up being their closer this year. Uh, not kind of. He actually did. 60, saves come from everywhere. Yeah, 68 innings. He got 30 saves. Uh, 185 ERA, .96 whip, strikeout rate that only Justin Nicolino could be jealous of. 4.8 per night. Um, he did it again, man. I mean, the, the, the guy, the, the 
the method, the submarining basically that he does works. They picked up the option. What, what, what did I have it on there for? 5.5 mil. Obviously, the only question I need to know from you is do you think it closes? Because otherwise, if he doesn't, who cares? He's a Lima option as a $1 in the back of your NL, deep NL only. Which is where he was, which is how he was drafted this year. I mean, this, this, this four, this four, eight strikeout rate was as lowest since his rookie year when he came up with a four, five. Um, but, you know, the same kind of points we made for Marco Estrada deserve to be repeated here. 218 batting average and balls in place, 79% left on base rate. Um, you know, you go back to that rookie year where he had that low strikeout rate and he had a 106 ERA for those that remember because he stranded 92% of his runners. Next it season was, it was 78. And then the batting average and balls in play went back way up. Uh, and since then, it, that's really been the anomaly because he's been a very low batting average and balls in play guy because he's just tough to elevate. Um, you know, that said, I don't know if he can, if, you know, if he may open the job, he may open the season as a closer, but you know, this is really tough. If they see themselves as a contending team and they, you know, if, if healthy, they could be uh, in that yeah. division. This is not the type of guy that can be at the back end of your bullpen. No, that that's a good point. Yeah. They are contending. I think at that point you just can't have, because there's just so much contact. And if you're not getting a two eighteen or some crazy good BABIP, it's not going to be good. It's just going to be kind of blah. And you look at like a, a 240, uh, 249 ERA. Okay, that's fine. But the 349, the the worst case is kind of like as 2014. A 349 ERA doesn't sound bad in general, but from a closer, that that would be horrible. So I think the strikeouts will probably go up a little bit, but to what? Not something useful. He has a 16% for his career. That's just what Brad Ziegler is. He might start the season with the job, and so yeah, you might pick him up for a few saves, but I can't see 30 again. I, I just, the, the scary I just thing was, I mean, he was, when you think a sidearm or you're thinking, okay, he's going to shut down the same hand and he's going to get blasted by the opposite hand. And he really didn't. 177 average against first righties and a 215 against lefties. Um, did give up, you know, the only three home runs did come against lefties, and that's not a surprise. But I think the same kind of bias, when you think of the arm angle, the same kind of bias applies to Darren O'Day, who's a free agent. Uh, you know, he's on the, he's out there as a free agent and the same kind of thing happened to him. He's his skills. If you were just to look at the name oh, and God. say, Oh my God, I mean, that's closer material. 11.3 strikeout, very low walk rate. That's closer. And you're like, Oh yeah, he's a side armor. And I but wonder if he's going to get a shot to close this year, uh, because those skills keep improving and he's no longer just a Rugie when we're talking about O'Day. That's, that's an interesting one. We're going to definitely get to him when we do the, uh, not, not, the, not today's free agent preview, but as in the course of doing it, because I think he's a very intriguing option, especially as the focus continues to be heightened on bullpen um, after another playoffs that showed that you can't win without a great bullpen. You just can't. It's not possible anymore, I don't think. You have to have, at the very least, a, a, a good one, but but probably a great one if you want to get by and win. Uh, last of the options, then we'll get into the three pre- playoff preview guys, or excuse me, playoff preview, free agent preview guys. Jaime Garcia is our last option guy, 11.5 mil. I know injury is the big piece. Where are you on, on his skills? Because, again, we have no idea what the innings are going to be. Roll a dice somewhere between uh, if you have a if you have a one to a hundred and twenty five sided dice, roll it and and that's where you're gonna get his innings. I can't I don't think you can plan for really much more than like eighty or ninety. But what kind of skills do you see from twenty nine year old Jaime Garcia? And do you agree with the option? I was actually surprised the option was picked up. I was surprised. Um, You know that. To me, it's just my bias because, again, the guy is, you know, he, the 129 he pitched this year it was more than what he had pitched the previous two years. And he's never pitched more than 130 since 2011 before his arm pro- arm trouble started uh, flaring up. So this kind of really puts him in the um, yeah, the, the Brandon McCarthy uh, type of thing. Skills are there when he's good because he doesn't walk anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the strikeout rate is maybe not what it once was. But, you know, it, the risk is just for me is not a guy that I want to – He's a fallback plan. He's not somebody I want to target. But to me, this is a replaceable. I didn't really look to see, you know, if I'm looking for starting pitching, who's out there that I could say, okay, I, I could replace like Wei Ying Chen. Maybe I take the, you know, maybe I take the instead of spending the money on on Garcia, I go for Chen because uh, I've always had a soft spot for that guy. Um, and you, you know, know, the Cardinals would have him. Yeah, anybody. They, you know, they fix anybody. Hap, if I'm looking for another lefty starting pitcher, you know, those kind of things. Um, but it's really not a. 
and looking at it like Brett Anderson is another lefty, but that's not somebody. I mean, I I take Garcia over Brett Anderson. I take Garcia over Brett Anderson. Yeah, yeah, um, they're, they're the same kind of situation. Rich Hill, you know, I still love the Rich Hill story. That guy was just awesome in September. That was one of the best stories all year. I mean, it really. I mean, it, it didn't get much in terms of like pure baseball stories, and it was a very small sample. But he was so dominant. It was. So, you think he gets a contract off of it, off of that four-star run? I think so too. I think he does because he's left-handed. That's that yeah. that and and I mean, 36 strikeouts in 29 innings. Uh, that's 106 batters faced. I know that the stabilization rate for strikeouts is 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 pretty small. I mean, I, I think it's more than 106 batters faced, but. That's one thing that he's always done, though. He has missed bats. The fact is he didn't walk anybody, and that was kind of the crazy thing for Rich Hill. I wonder if he could have a late career rejuvenation as like a swing man. Maybe, you know, you don't put him in the rotation. The curveball was filthy. I'm worried about, I'm worried about more exposure because of I don't course. think he, re- I think he repeated against anyone. Of course. But the curveball was filthy. Um, the other one I wanted that you don't have listed that I wanted to bring up is – um, the Padres picked up the $8 million option on Joaquin Benmore. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one's at the very top right now. I did miss that one. So let's, let's dive into that then 8 million for Benoit. You, you not good with it. Uh, well, when you've got Kimbrell on that team, that's a really expensive setup guy setup for guy, yeah. 38. That's a 38 year old arm. Um, that has worked a lot of, has pitched a lot of innings. Um, uh, you know, kind of the Joel Peralta. If we, if we looked at how Joel Peralta fell apart this year, for the Dodgers, same kind of same kind of guy doesn't really. I mean, except that um, Benoit does throw a little bit harder uh, than Joel Peralta, but Peralta fell off a little bit, uh, fell off this year. I mean, he's been a, you know, he was the workload um, in Tampa Bay, and then with the Dodgers, the numbers. You look at the numbers, you're like, yeah, that's not what we signed up for. Uh, he took a step back. I was just kind of surprised for eight million, you know. You look at there's plenty of relievers out there. I've you know I've been I've already started advocating Ryan Madsen to the Rays. I want him. Uh, no, no, yeah, that's, whoa, who I, whoa, that's whoa. who I want. No, no, no. I'm on record already. I tweeted it out that I was envisioning him for the Tigers. Closer. Oh, we gotta and, find timestamps. I've been saying this for a week and a half. <laughs> oh no, no. Uh, this goes back to the Houston series. I thought to myself he would make a good closer, and then he went out and got bombed. No, I, I think it was against Toronto. He got bombed by them. I'm like, yeah, now he'll be a perfect Tigers closer now that I see him give up a bunch <laughs> of bombs and everything. So, no, no, sorry, that's that's ours, buddy. Okay. Sorry. All right, so but that's where I mean, the, the $8 million there, if you throw another two on top of that, you probably get Ryan Madsen. I, mean, I, I did the, the Fangraphs crowdsourcing, and I said uh, two years, $10 million is what it's going to take to get Ryan Madsen. Uh, you know, that's what you could have – but I'm looking at the rest of the free agent list – you know, then I can see, okay, maybe they did it. I did tweet at uh, Corey Brock, one of the Padres guys. I'm like, this really feels like a sign and trade kind of thing where, you know, why, why are the Padres signing this guy for $8 million? You could go out and, and look at, um, you know, Soria is the free agent. You could probably have him for that price on a one-year deal. Uh, a couple of other guys that are out there um, along those lines. So no, it, I, it, I, was a, I was a bit surprised because to me, it's a, it's a replaceable skill set. We, we look at his value over the last three years. It has digressed. And I can't help but look at Joe, look at that way Joel Peralta uh, flamed out this year, and kind of think that's that's the path that Benoit is heading down. I think that's that's completely fair, and I think your your initial point was was the strongest of them. You know, you've already got the lockdown. We're not t- touching him anywhere type of closer, so you know already that this is an eight million dollar setup, man. And and are you in a position as the Padres coming off a seventy four win season to lock in that? luxury item right away i think that's a good call on, on we talk on a, we talk about that extreme left on base rate benoit the last four seasons 82 87 85 86 he's got houston street jealous trust me it's unbelievable San Diego, i guess and then if you think back then it was 75 with your detroit tigers in 2011 after the 95 with my tampa bay Rays the season I before got him that. his deal yeah he got that big three-year deal from the tigers because it, an obscene 192 babip and 95 percent left on base rate what a ridiculous combo those two were and that's how he had a 134 era for 60 innings by the way that was all the way back in 2010 and and to your point about his age as well he had a lot of injury uh, history that kind of caused him to be cheap for the Rays anyway. They they got that on the cheap after he missed all. Oh, yeah, they picked him up after his DFA. Yeah, after his DFA. And the other issue was there was always this thing about him where, uh, at least when he was with Tampa Bay for the one year, where they didn't use him a lot back to back games. 
Yeah, yeah I remember it's that. something. I remember that was always kind of a label on him. And you look at it, and he doesn't like pitch back to back innings because you look at you know last year, sixty seven games, sixty five innings, fifty three games, fifty four innings, sixty six games, sixty. He's a one and done type pitcher. No, you're, you're so right. you know you look at, I mean eight million dollars. $8 million is a, a lot of money to pay him for 66 games. I mean, you're looking at, I'm doing the math on my calculator here, $121,212 per game. That's a lot. That That's, that, that's definitely a lot. And yeah, I, you know, if you, again, if you're committing to that luxury, you'd like to be able to say that he's a, a one, $2 million kind of guy, but he's not. You know, a one, two inning kind of guy, excuse me. No, he's a one and but, done dude. But he's not exactly. I'm looking right now to try to see what his, what he does on, on a one day rest. How often they, they throw him back to back days. He went 16 times back to back this year. Okay. After just 10 last year though, it's, it's way down from what the Tigers did. The Tigers started to loosen it up. It was something that was an issue. He did 16 with the Rays for Benoit. This is back to back days. Then 20, 20 and 24, the Tigers pushed it. They're like, listen, we need more. And in 2012, he was awful in those 775 OPS. He's been great the last three years going back to back, but they very much limit those opportunities. And at 38, you'll probably have to limit them further. I think you've made a great case as to why this probably wasn't the best uh, move unless they plan to trade him. All right, Jason, let's wrap up and talk about three uh, free agents to be kind of get your read on where they're going to go. And if you got a Ballpark figure. I wouldn't be surprised if you do, but we're looking for teams mainly and their 2016 outlook. And if you've got some money uh, ideas, go ahead and throw those out as well. It sounds like you've had some practice doing the crowdsourcing on fan graphs. Let's start with Matt Wieters. Uh, Buster only reported recently that he believes that he'll get the qualifying offer. That's Is that obvious or, or no? I, I, I'm honestly asking because it's 15.8 mil. Is it obvious to give Wieters that? Do you think there's any danger that he signs that? No, I don't think there's any danger. I mean, the, the free agent class around him is a is a via abysmal. Ionetta, Navarro, Pacheco, Pena, Przinsky, Saltalamacchia, and Soto. So you know, and when you look at who's going to need, if you take a, a scan and say, okay, who needs catching and who may sign him? You know, White Sox are where are they with Tyler Flowers? You know, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, exactly. You try to look through and and the. Uh, the Angels with losing uh, Ionetta. I mean, they've got Perez. If they want to have him grow, you don't see Minnesota making that kind of deal. The Yankees are locked in with with McCann. Oakland's never going to sign him. Seattle is always looking for a catcher if they if they really want to make a Dude, push Mark and Zanino, say, okay, man. we've got we've got yeah we've Dude, got Cano we've Dude. got Cano we've got uh, Cruz. We need to build another bat around him. That would Mark make Zanino. some sense. What about Mike um, there, yeah. What about Mike Zanino? Let's keep going. Texas. Yeah, you know, that's another that's another possibility. So there's some couple in the AL. So I I don't think it'll be a problem at all for um, Baltimore to put out the thing. They just have to hope that he doesn't sign with a protected team. But I I just I just don't see a way that he takes it. Um, I just think he ends up in another American League destination. And I guess and even uh, another question on top of that: Would it be the end of the world if he did that? Probably not, right? No, I, mean, I, I think it takes him out of the Chris Davis if if they want to bring Davis back. Yeah, they they would they would have to then jettison that idea and just go with weeder so even if he did sign it he's not gonna but uh they'd be like okay we'll figure this out next year but no he's good he's on the right side of 30 obviously the last you know he's gonna be 30 this year but all of his numbers uh, are are twos next to them and once you hit 30 i i know that the things get crazier especially when you're talking about catcher but 26 and yeah 26 and 75 games the last two years for him. Joe Maurer, that's a good name to throw out there because also Wieters is massive like Maurer, 6'5". Yep. Um, and so that's a problem. So so talk more now. What do you think the outlook is for Wieters now? If you got him in the American League somewhere where he can get off his feet in DH every once in a while, even though he's a good, you know, great defensive catcher that you want in there, you've got to protect him. What's the bat going to be like? Because, you know, we saw that potential breakout was stunted in, in 2014, but it was only 112 plate appearances, so he couldn't go crazy. And then this year, 282 plate appearances, he was just average. So where where's Matt Wieters as a batter right now at age 30? I think he's back to where he was uh, in 2000. You know, in 2012 and 2013, that that run from 11 to 13, where he put up the 20 plus home runs every year. Okay. Um, but the batting average was all over the place. Yeah. 276, 274, 247, uh, and then. The, I'm talking about as his batting average and balls in play. I'm sorry. Um, 262, 242. 249, 235. This year is 267. So 
if if he can get another American League team where he can DH more, I think 20 home runs and another 260 batting average is, is attainable. So that's a top five catcher then. If the batting average isn't the 235, if you're getting closer to the 260s, that's probably – that's at least a top 10, I guess I should say. Top five might be a little bit stretching it. Um, but Matt Weider's going to be somebody that's desirable as long as he's healthy. But you now have that huge concern every time you take him, especially now that he's going to be 30. All right, let's move over to probably my favorite uh, free agent of the offseason, at least in terms of just really intrigued to see where he goes. Don't think my Tigers are in play for it, but it would be a pipe dream that I'd love to see happen. People are going to be very hard after Jason Hayward. I understand that he hasn't necessarily fully lived up to to that debut that he had. I mean, I, I, I don't even need to couch. He hasn't. Like, let's, let's just let's just call it what it is. I, I couch that a little bit too much. He hasn't lived up to it. In fact, he's been a disappointment. But the best part is if, if you can put up a, a 114 OPS plus for 3,429 plate appearances and that's considered a disappointment, that means you're pretty damn good because that's just his offense. We know that the defense adds very, a, a ton to his value. Uh, you're talking about four six-win seasons under his belt, a two-and-a-half and a, and a 3.7. So the, only one bad season. That was the sophomore campaign in, in 2011 that dealt with some injury, and it just wasn't there. But these last four years have varied from good to uh, – to so, from solid to good, I should say, and then from good to great when you add in the defense with it uh, in terms of war. So where are you on Jason Hayward? What's his outlook? What's the money? And well, who are some teams you think might be interested? The money should be stupid. It's going to be consider, when you consider how young he is. Yes. This is, I mean, you don't see free agents come out. You don't see free agents at the market at this price, at this age. That's to me, that's why it's going to be, even if you look at it and the power numbers have been down for him and all, but it's going to be, it should be stupid with him because he's going to, you know, he's 26, turned 26 in early August. Ooh. So you're getting all of his prime, you know, quote unquote prime years. For him, and you're getting that that high level defense, even if he's uh, you know doesn't hit for the power that we thought he would hit after we saw what he did in 2012, um, still gets on base a ton. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying to find a way to keep him off the Yankees, <laughs> but it makes it makes too much sense. You've got Beltron in his final year at 15 million dollars. Yes, you've got Aaron Judge coming up, sure, uh, but you've got Gardner and you've got Ellsbury, you know. You can't move. You can't move uh, Ellsbury. Gardner's going to be gone soon. Uh, you know, Beltron at fifteen at fifteen million. That wouldn't surprise me to see if, like his name on the trade market when they go to Nashville next month uh, to see what's going on. But yeah, Texas is another place where he could be a nice fit because yeah, you know, they've got DeShields and they've got Chu out there in the outfield. But, uh, who knows what we're going to do with Leonis Martin? But with Joey with- Gallo. With that, though, with, with, with Texas specifically, because I was going to bring up, you know, you talk about this money is going to be crazy. Look what Chu got, and again, now we're talking about a 26-year-old. Can Texas go to that well again? Even though Chu, you know, had a good year after last year's, uh, you know, kind of blah season. It was, it was pretty bad. Actually, uh, league average with the hitting, but definitely you, you, you need a lot better than league average for that money. So, yes, it was a bad season in 2014. Had a good season this year. You think there's any bit of them that's going to be a little bit scared off by doing another seven-year deal because of what's happened with Chu? Or do you think that Chu, you know, it's it's now one bad year, one great year. Are they are they gun-shy at all for the Rangers when you talk about Hayward? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they could afford to be gun-shy. When you look at the, what that what they need to take that next step, I think Hayward's a nice fit. Again, free agents don't hit the – they don't hit the open market at this age. And I – it. I have no problem paying the money for this because you can give him a 10, 10 year deal and he's going to expire at 36. That's He'll nice. expire. His deal will expire before Chu's does age wise. I and mean, Chu expires at age 37, mm-hmm. but you, you just kind of look at that or you say, I'm trying to find a way to fit him on the Cubs because Dexter Fowler leaves as a free agent. You know, can you fit Hayward there? Does Hayward play center field? Oh if my you do God. That kind of thing, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. I'm fair, Jason. Now you're just being unfair. It would be stupid unfair, but that team would be disgusting if they added him. And, and I, already be, think, I already think that the prohibitive favor for the National League in 2016. I, I but agree. you replace a Fowler with a Hayward, and it's like, wow. Yeah, no, no, it would be a great move, and it's something that I think they could do. I mean, they, they're going to be energized by what they saw this year. They're, what they did last year, I mean, it panned out. They didn't win the World Series, which obviously is the goal. But they had a great season. It panned out for the first year. They're going to be energized by that. They're not going to pull the brakes at all. They're going to dive into this class, probably get at least one of the big pitchers. And it wouldn't surprise me if they're just like, you know what? We'll go ahead and get Jason Hayward too. Why not? 
you guys don't get to have any of the young good players. Oh, by the way, I'm putting Dexter Fowler on Kansas City. God, that that's a perfect fit too, isn't it? Do you think? Um, well, okay, you're 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 a segue master. You're putting him on Kansas City. Is he replacing our next guy, our final guy for the night, Alex Gordon? Yes. Okay. Okay. So then we can move past putting him back on Kansas City. What are you looking at for uh, 2016 and beyond for Alex Gordon? What kind of money? And who are some of your candidates? I mean, that's where I'm putting – God, I can't believe he's going to be 32 before the season starts. Yeah. That's nuts. Been around for a so long so time. Been around for a long time. I mean, here's the thing. The reason that it feels crazy is because he's only been prominent since 2011 because he yeah. he, he had four years that he just he failed. I mean, he, he didn't pan out on the, on the hype that he had from 2007 to 2010. Gordon goes down to the minors, changes position, dedicates himself to learning literally everything about left field and how to be a great left fielder to get – his career back to get what he was, what he was supposed to be as a number two overall pick, uh, back in 2005. And, and he's gotten that then. So now we're talking about five years of excellence. You feel a guy who's been around for five years being great. Oh, he should be young. Well, I mean, he's not old. He's 32, but in baseball, it's a little bit older. Uh, so that, that's going to definitely hampers market a little bit in terms of length. You know, you're probably not going to get a 10 year deal for Alex Gordon, but oh, what God, can, no. Uh, how long are we talking then? Is it a six-year deal? Five-year deal? Five. Okay. For how much? Um, uh, let's see. What has he been? He's been a, a – in the last four years, he's been a six-and-a-half, a five-and-a-half, a three-and-a-half, a six-and-a-half, and a, six a, six a three-win player. He's only a three-win guy this year? Oh, wow. Two eight. Wow. Plus, I mean, he had the injury. So oh, that's right. 104 games. Game. That's right. So that's right. it would have put right. about a four if you would have projected over. So yeah. that would have put him about a four-win guy. Um. Five one oh five. Okay, and where 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 are we getting him? Is there a team out there? Do you think do you think a team is going to you know, not overcorrect? Because I think it's a great move to get him. I'm a big Alex Gordon fan. But is there going to is he going to go to a team that already has some rich outfield defense, or do you think he's going to go to a team that says we need some of that damn good outfield defense? Ours is kind of lame. Let's get him. What, who are some of your candidate teams for Alex Gordon's services at five one oh five? Um, L.A. Angels. Oh my God, Gordon and Trout uh, covering your your and outfield Calhoun. and Calhoun. That's 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 a good defense, right? So so that he'd be going to one that already has some richness to it, and that would be very interesting. I mean Boston, if they but you got to make things work. You've got Bradley Betts and Castillo in the outfield. They'd have to do um, multiple moves, I think. Right. Because, I think I mean skills wise, I think it'd be a nice fit. But if LA wants to stay competitive out there, they need to get. It's not like they're getting any younger uh, with that team, but. That's a move that they would have to they would try to make. Um, I'm just looking AL, you know, Texas if they want to make the play and not go after Hayward. Uh, those kind of places where I'm looking at. How about my I just can't see Milwaukee spending that money. Your Tigers too, but I thought, you know, they're already long in the tooth. That's true. They, you're right. And they're top heavy with contracts, and and adding him kind of defeats the purpose. When you've got Cabrera, you've got Kinsler, you've the got. The only uh, reason I say it. Martinez. I'm not thinking from necessarily the logical standpoint that you are. I'm thinking from who's still in charge, uh, Mike Illich yeah. and Al Avila. They didn't bring in somebody new. The same feel of the regime that we've seen be influenced. Because I don't think all those moves were Dombrowski. I think Illich was pressing the buttons there. And so I think sure. Avila is going to be somebody that will allow Illich to still press the buttons, which is why I could see if it's not – um, a big pitcher that they go try to get and, and get another hefty contract that they that they maybe do something like a Gordon. So I don't know. Again, I love Gordon as a player type um, and and what he what he brings. But yeah, I don't know that I want my favorite team to get another long term deal of mid thirties at, at what'd you say five one one oh five. That's twenty one mil per year. I don't think they can do that. But there is an opening. You know, Cespedes was the left fielder, so it would be Gordon Ghost and J D Martinez, the best player to ever live besides Curtis Granderson. So that, that'd be an interesting trio out there, but I agree with you. I, I, I don't think, think they should, but it, I don't think that necessarily rules them out. So if you, who's your favorite of those, the angels? Yeah. Okay. That would be really, that, that, that would, I think he would just go over there and be the exact same player, which is completely fine. 
you know, because that, that park is also pretty – so he's not going to go somewhere where that's going to influence uh, influence the hitting positively if he goes to L.A. Uh, to be the Angels, be with the Angels. But Gordon would basically just go over to another park that's a little bit tough on the offense, play great defense next to an elite center fielder, and put up his normal 120-something WRC+. plus. I don't know. Yep. that That would definitely work. All right, Jason, that's going to wrap us up. We're headed to Arizona in a couple days. Try to get something live recorded between me, you, Eno, and whoever we grab, you know, whoever we just see walking by that wants to come talk some baseball, whether it's a Derek Van Riper or a Jeff uh, Erickson or or maybe – A ton of people. I mean – I, I could name tons more, a Derek Cardi, a Todd Zola, et cetera, et cetera. We'll see what we can do. We should throw uh, a mic in front of Kevin Goldstein's face if we see him in the stands. That's actually a brilliant <laughs> idea. That no guy comment. used to have no a comment. podcast. That guy used to have a podcast. Now it's RIP, Kevin. RIP, Kevin. Uh, but anyway, Jason, I'll see you in, a, in two days. Get well. Hell yes. And uh, we'll, we'll be back on the podcast sometime very soon. I don't know exactly when. Maybe I'll post it when I get home. But we'll record something while we're gone. Until then, Jason, take care. Later. See you in a couple days.